0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: Lots of agencies are hearing chirp, chirp these days, not cicadas, but alerts from the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. It's got a system called CISA Hunt and Incident Response System, or CHIRP. It's designed, in the agency's words, to help network defenders find indicators of compromise from two recent and broad-scale attacks. For more, we turn to CISA Deputy Associate Director Jermaine Roebuck. Mr. Roebuck, good to have you on. Good morning. So tell us about CHIRP tool. It's designed to help agencies do what exactly?
2: We developed CHIRP as part of our ongoing support to federal departments and agencies affected by threat actor activity associated with certain versions of the SolarWinds Orion platform and the active directory M365 Compromise. CHIRP is essentially a forensics collections capability that is intended to help network defenders find indicators of compromise associated with the attack.
1: And is this something they install on their own networks, or is it a piece of software they download? How does it work?
2: That's a great question. This new resource is the outcome of our team's focused and ongoing commitment to support federal Ds and As. During the response efforts, we quickly realized that a subset of potentially impacted organizations likely lacked the capability to perform the level of forensics analysis necessary to determine if their uh, machines were compromised Uh, To address this, we decided to develop something simple that organizations could run in order to help them make that determination. Within CISM, we have a talented group of individuals that developed this program, mostly in Python, in order to scan for signs of APT compromise uh, within on-premises environments.
1: APT compromise meaning?
2: Advanced persistent threats.
1: Got it. Okay. And what specifically is the threat from the SolarWinds hack? We've heard so much about it on a grand scale, but what can it actually do if a threat from it advances and persists on your network?
2: So with this particular activity, uh, what occurred was essentially uh, a software supply chain attack. So the attacker was able to embed code within specific systems, and essentially what it did was when organizations downloaded what they assumed to be secure code, it essentially allowed a backdoor for threat actors to be able to get into these environments. Uh, once they're in these environments, they're able to move laterally throughout the environment and basically take control of an enterprise environment through threat of credentials, et cetera.
1: In other words, the downloads that an agency would do thinking they were secure, they would still get the download, but they would get something extra that they weren't aware of.
2: That's exactly right.
1: And is there any knowledge at this point, any figures on how often this has actually happened? Or I guess maybe you need the chirp tool to find out.
2: So I don't have the necessary metrics to explain how often this does happen, but the Chirp tool was developed specifically for this campaign related to solar winds. So essentially, what we did was we compiled a number of different indicators, TTPs, etc., uh, and put the most common ones into a package, so that organizations that didn't necessarily have full forensic capability they could use this platform to make a determination as to whether or not they have a problem. From there, we provide them with the instructions on how to use the tool, and uh, we also offer assistance in the form of, you know, contact SZA, and that way we could potentially advise you on following steps.
1: And is this something that would become part of the CDM program, for example? Would you want to have it forever in place to keep checking?
2: What's unique about CHIRP and the way that we developed it, uh, it essentially can be used for more in the future. So essentially what it does is take uh, any sort of indicators that you can throw at it, depending on whether or not it's compatible, and you can essentially look for other things. So the future for CHIRP is really much more about as we uncover huge, complicated threats like this, we may look to use that platform to essentially push indicators to allow folks that don't have forensic capability to quickly
1: make assessments. We're speaking with Jermaine Roebuck. He's Deputy Associate Director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, part of DHS. So in other words, it's almost like CHIRP is a microscope and you can just change the slides depending on what bacteria you're having people look for.
2: That's a very good analogy. That's exactly right.
1: All right. And uh, what kind of a team did it take? You said they're talented, but did it take a lot of programming or is this something relatively lightweight?
2: It was not lightweight. It did take some programming talent, but fortunately, we have individuals that we use to do uh, analysis during incident response engagements that also have the capability and the ability and education to write and develop programs. So it took quite a bit of time because obviously, when we create these things, we're very careful that organizations, when they run it, to make the risk low that it might have negative effects. So we took quite a bit of care to develop it, uh, and obviously, we open sourced it as well. So we're looking forward to the community taking a look under the hood, if you will, and, and adding improvements and things like that.
1: I was going to say, because solar winds hit so many corporate entities, that would be something the private sector would probably want to get its hands on, too. And sounds like they can.
2: Absolutely.
1: Have you had much interest in it so far? Have you had those downloads and inquiries about it?
2: We're tracking several hundred downloads. We have partnered with a few private sector organizations that we routinely work with that have taken a look at the tool, sort of that partnership model, if you will. Uh, But by and large, uh, this tool isn't necessarily aimed at large organizations. It's more or less aimed at the small and mid-sized businesses that could potentially be part of this supply chain attack or even really small federal departments and agencies as well.
1: Yeah, often it's the small ones, the small federal agencies that simply have to rely on the expertise of the bigger ones to be able to get things done. You find that to be the case?
2: We find that to be the case routinely. What typically happens with some of these small organizations, you have folks that dual had as, you know, the IT administrator and the forensic specialist. Uh, So sometimes they need a little bit of help or augmentation to perform some of these analyses.
1: And in giving the instructions to agencies on how to use the CHIRP tool, do they also know what to do if something should turn up, that an APT is found using the CHIRP tool?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a big part of it. So uh, what we've instructed departments and agencies to do is that if they should run this tool, there's instructions on how to contact CISA. Uh, so if they do see something, uh, they do have the ability to reach back to CISA where we can provide uh, follow-on instructions.
1: Safe to say that you are gathering instances of what is found using CHIRP so that you can get a better, perhaps, understanding of the extent of what solar winds might have done in the federal government or, I guess, throughout the world, for that matter.
3: Yeah,
2: CHIRP is more of that quick gut check to see what's happening on that box. In order to really peel back the layers of the onion to identify what may have taken place in these environments, The follow-on actions are typically where we send forensic specialists in to further dissect the devices and to further look throughout the environment for additional indicators.
1: You'd probably want to get your hands on the code that is found so that you can better understand the structure of the threat itself, too, I imagine.
2: Yeah, that's a very big part of it. So uh, essentially, when we're able to pull back the uh, offending underlying code or backdoor, we're able to assess what additional functionality may be there. That's also a big part of trying to understand what the threat actor capabilities may be on that device to further their additional goals uh, within an environment.
1: And what are you cooking up for the next project?
2: It's on a case-by-case basis. So as we get uh, new compromises that come in, we assess whether or not there are tools available to be able to counteract the threat or investigate the threat. Uh, If we identify that there's a gap, that's when we go into overdrive and we start to think outside of the box to create new and additional capabilities to help the community. So right now, thankfully, uh, we're not at that place. But be on the lookout. Uh, If there are additional compromises at this scale and with this complexity, that's when we start to think outside of the box and and develop these sorts of uh, capabilities.
1: Well, we're glad you're on the job. Jermaine Roebuck is Deputy Associate Director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. We'll post this interview along with a link to more information about CHIRP at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows.
3: Welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Rick Wade, Senior Vice President of Strategic Alliances and Outreach at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Previously, Rick was a Senior Advisor and Deputy Chief of Staff, to Secretary of Commerce Gary Locke. He worked closely with the Obama administration, and he also worked with Commerce's Economic Development Administration to foster regional economic development in distressed areas and with the Minority Business Development Agency to create jobs through the growth of minority-owned businesses. He received a B.S. from the University of South Carolina and an M.P.A. from Harvard University. Rick, welcome, and thanks so much for joining me.
0: Terribly difficult challenge. One of the other defining uh, moments, I think, in our time uh, that has dictated uh, a change in leadership, if you will, uh, was the murder of George Floyd. I think it created a whole different consciousness uh, in America, and certainly within me, uh, about the importance of being empathetic uh, in, uh, in in the way I lead, to be inclusive, uh, to be uh, uh, to, to lead in a way uh, in which you're very sensitive to the impact of your decisions. So there have been so many defining moments uh, uh, in my career. I I will tell you even uh, after the murder of George Floyd and my role at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce uh, to galvanize the business community uh, inspired by that tragedy and now we have a whole broad historic sweeping what we call equality of opportunity initiative that I'm leading that that, that, that I was inspired to develop and we're bringing together corporations from across America
3: I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Thank you for listening to today's Lessons in Leadership podcast. And until we see you next time, take good care.
0: Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at pluralsight.com/vision. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, confirm you've entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person,